Good evening, Corey Brada from the Hawkeye of the Storm. Appreciate everybody being here, waiting a few extra moments, and um, it's good to good to see everybody. This is week one eighty one. We're going to have sort of a, a different show this evening. Um, we're going to be talking Iowa basketball, Iowa football here. We'll be talking about Iowa's showdown with Illinois this weekend on Saturday. We also want to talk about Iowa basketball, Iowa-Alabama State this evening. And again, I apologize for the slight delay in getting this stream launched. Um, for those of you that don't know, I did have a surgery done on Tuesday. And sometimes your body controls when you can and cannot do things. As much as you want to have a schedule and have things in place, that doesn't always work out. So... We are here to talk about Iowa football, Iowa basketball. We'll start off with football, and um, this is going to be an interesting day. If you missed our announcement yesterday as far as a schedule of programming for today, we'll have uh, right now our, our Week 181 podcast, which, of course, will be converted into a podcast for Spotify, Anchor, Amazon, wherever you listen to your podcasts. Um, we'll be going until about tip-off for Iowa and Alabama State, which will be taking place on BTN. In about 15 minutes, we'll be joined by former, or excuse me, not former, current Iowa guard Tony Perkins. His uncle will join us, Frank Henderson. He's been a guest on our podcast before. He'll join us live to talk about Tony and to talk about the Iowa men's basketball team, and we'll preview the game against Alabama State tonight. Then at 6 o'clock Central, it's Iowa-Alabama State over on BTN. Following the game, we will have Iowa post game with Coach Gary Close. Uh, if you've not watched our show with Gary, he is tremendous. We are so happy to have Gary here breaking down Iowa basketball all season long with us following Iowa basketball games, Iowa men's basketball games. So we will be with you talking about what we hope to be a good win against Alabama State. Following the post game, all right, we're still going. Following the post game, which will start at about 8 p.m., assuming the Iowa game is over by then, we would think it would be. We will be live with Mark Rogers at 9 p.m. Central Time for Iowa Live. Due to the surgery Tuesday, we were not able to have our live show that we normally do at 4.30 on Tuesday. So we'll be over at the Iowa channel, Iowa at the Voice of College Football, on YouTube for Iowa Live. So let's get right down to it. Iowa, Illinois this weekend, the talk throughout the week has been all about can Iowa, or I shouldn't say can Iowa, will Iowa Will the Iowa coaching staff start Alex Padilla, Spencer Petrus? We got word this week from Kirk Ferentz that Spencer Petrus is finally healthy. That has been the one question mark as far as decision-making or what we anticipate to be decision-making from this coaching staff. And so the question becomes, will we see Spencer Petrus this weekend? And I think the answer to that question is no. Is it possible? It certainly is. Do want to give a shout out real quickly. Real Hayden, appreciate it. Yes, it is a busy night. 
Um, and the Patrick McCaffrey injury, yes. So uh, I don't anticipate this being a big deal, but you know as much as I know. This is uh, this just got just just came in. I just saw this as well. Patrick McCaffrey will miss tonight's game. So uh, Keegan was out, or excuse me, Chris Murray was out on Tuesday against North Carolina Central. And so tonight the university announces that due to a lower body injury for Patrick McCaffrey, he will be out this evening. So yeah, that doesn't help. You want to be able to gain some uh, chemistry between these guys. Certainly Chris Murray, I think, is one of the more important guys to get game experience, even more important than Patrick. Um, So hopefully Chris plays tonight. I have not heard. The real Hayden, if you know, if you've heard anything, please comment. Uh, but it does look like Patrick will miss tonight. Chris, we hope we'll be back. Um, that would be huge for this team. Again, Chris just needs confidence. You can tell he's got a lot of the athleticism that his brother Keegan has. And man alive, Keegan put on a show on Tuesday night. And he's been doing it each and every night. Now, competition has certainly not been up to par. Um, but Keegan has been impressive. There have been a lot of talk about you know, will he be a first-round draft pick? Obviously, it's way too early, but it's fun to talk about that kind of thing. Certainly, what we're seeing right now is a guy who has the athleticism to compete, not only at this level, but I think in the league. He's got the length at 6'8 or so. Um, and man, the guy can jump out of the gym. He's an excellent shot blocker. Uh, if that three-point shot can continue to evolve and become more and more consistent... I don't know what stops Keegan Murray from being a first round draft pick. And I'm no draft expert, but when you look at his game, he's got it all. And he's also young, which is a, we, we know is big. Uh, there's no question about it. Um, so that's a, that's a big storyline throughout this season. And if you're an Iowa fan, you just got to be enjoying what you're seeing In answer to your comment here, the real Hayden, I am feeling a lot better. Um, and I don't even have a sling on right now, so I am I am ready to go. The medication is uh, making me a little bit foggy at times, so if I have a, a couple moments this evening where I'm in and out of uh, consciousness, hopefully I'm not in and out of consciousness, but uh, if I'm not in my right mind briefly, you'll know why. But again, we will have Frank Henderson joining us in just a moment. I am going to open up the call lines here. If you do want to call in, You are welcome to call in and talk about Iowa football, Iowa basketball. Again, we're doing a slightly altered version of our weekly podcast. This is our live show due to my surgery. I figured this is kind of the best way to still get you great content, but do so in a way that's not going to uh, wear me the heck out. (laughs) So appreciate everybody's flexibility this evening. Just received a text message from Frank. Let me grab that. I need to get him an email here. Getting this email over to Frank so he can hop on with us here in a few minutes. All right. Hopefully I look wide awake for everybody. Real Hayden says he hasn't heard anything on Chris Murray, but yes, Keegan. He does dunk with ease, doesn't he? His ability to get off the off the court quickly. Um, yeah, and, and let's be honest, his his athleticism, his defensive prowess, um, his inside game. I mean, he's pretty. It's amazing that we're saying this because 
I know there's all kind of hype around Keegan heading into this year, but like his ability to dominate inside is we, we still don't appreciate it. Now you're going up against smaller competition. You're not going up against the, the big men of the big 10 and hopefully Keegan's never playing the five. I really don't like the idea of Keegan playing the five because to me, he is a natural four and, and it's sort of like how I feel about throwing guards out at tackle and football. Like if you're taking them away from their natural position of strength, and I know everything, everyone's talking about, call, uh, you know, playing small ball. To me, Keegan is a four, and if you have him having to defend the likes of Kofi Coburn and Trevion Williams and Zach Eady, uh, even EJ Liddell, I you know obviously they'll play a lot of zone. I'm sure if they're if they're going to do that, but I still that's why I want to see a lot more of Riley Mulvey or Josh Ogundale as this season progresses. Um, again, maybe that maybe they're not ready. We haven't seen very much of of either one of those guys. Um, but you just hate to take Keegan Murray away from a, a position on the court where he has been so good so early. And obviously he was good last year, right? But you can tell he's evolved physically. His body's in uh, tremendous shape now. Um, and, and man, I, I said this a couple of weeks ago, but I'll say it again. This is almost like a carbon opposite copy, if that makes sense of what we saw last year from Iowa basketball. Like last year, you have all the three point shooting. You have a dominant post game that runs through Luca Garza. And now you kind of have very few three point shooters, but you have the athleticism to be able to push it up and down the court a lot more effectively. And you have the athleticism. And I think the desire to defend that has been missing. There are still times we've seen this even against North Carolina Central Tuesday. We've seen times where Iowa still struggles to defend. They struggle to rotate. It is struggle to close out. So that is a concern, right? That is a concern. But as we talked with Coach Close the other day, it's all about desire to defend. And certainly athleticism doesn't hurt. You can make up for some deficiencies in coaching and even schematics if you have guys who are quick, athletic, and uh, good on closeouts. So uh, I think this team between Keegan Murray, Chris Murray, Tony Perkins, Aaron Eulis all can be that. Before we send Frank Henderson in, I'm sure he'll be with us in just moments, um, Iowa-Illinois, I don't want to just skip over this game this weekend because Iowa... It's another must-win situation. If you heard earlier this week, Brett Bielema is out due to COVID-19, tested positive. We've got flashbacks now to uh, week one against Purdue last year. If you recall, Iowa-Purdue last year, Jeff Brom was out of that game due to COVID. That didn't slow the Boilermakers down. They ended up beating Iowa in West Lafayette. Um, So I'll be anxious to see who's filling in for Brett as far as the head coaching role. Uh, Kirk was asked about just that predicament if Iowa had a, a contingency plan in place if Kirk were to come down with COVID and was not able to be the head coach. And he basically responded by saying, look, the head coach doesn't do a whole lot on game day. And I believe that, but you still got to have a guy there, right, at the helm. So I, I'd be curious to know. I would hope it'd be Phil Parker. Good Lord. It better not be Brian. Phil deserves it. Maybe Phil wouldn't want to do that. Um, but it'll be interesting to see what Illinois does. Um, 
with Brett Bielema out this weekend. Um, certainly, the, the quarterback position is a position of question. I applaud Kirk Ferentz and Brian Ferentz this week with the media for not giving away who they're playing. Okay, They are starting Alex Padilla. Okay. There is no, like we can, we can question that or worry about it all we want, but the bottom line is Alex Padilla will start Saturday, barring some unforeseen injury. Um, and I have no question that Kirk Ferentz simply saying, we're going to let this play out. We've got two quarterbacks we're comfortable with. I, I believe he means that. Um, but the whole idea of saying we don't know who our starter is until Saturday, I attribute that primarily to just gamesmanship, right? I mean, there's no reason to show your hand on Tuesday. Uh, that's why I was a bit confused as to why Kirk gave that away last week heading into a, a showdown with PJ Fleck. Um, so I applaud Kirk for not doing that this week with Brett Bielema. Now, again, Maybe Spencer will see some snaps on Saturday, but I would be shocked if that were to occur. All right, we're going to add Frank Henderson into our show. Frank, it is good to see you. It's been a long time since we've been able to talk. You've been on our podcast in the past. Uh, For anybody who doesn't know Frank, Frank is Tony Perkins' uncle. Um, And uh, always a pleasure to get some insight from not only Tony's uncle, but also someone who is educated in the game of basketball, like yourself being a coach and also playing at the division one level. So Frank, I know you, uh, before we get started talking about Iowa basketball specifically and the development of your nephew, um, talk a little bit about the uh, recent injury. You were texting me about this the other day. You dealt with a pretty serious injury recently and, and how's your recovery going? Yeah, yeah. Thanks, Corey, for introduction as well. Yes, I actually dealt with a recent injury myself. And as a former athlete, I think we take some things for granted, uh, being the fact that I'm 32 years old now. You know, I'm I'm not a spring chicken anymore. (laughs) So I actually just recently just tore my Achilles back in uh, August. So I'm actually in the rehab process. I'm just now back on my feet walking somewhat normal. Um, I'm about 11 weeks removed from surgery at this point. So I would say about week seven, I was able to get my feet underneath me and, and start to begin walking again. So, yeah, so it's, 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 a, it's a slow grind, a slow process. But, you know, I've been down before and I can definitely get back up again. Absolutely. Um, I think this is perfect timing having us discuss Tony and just the evolution of this team. Before you jumped on, we were talking a little bit about Iowa football, but also Iowa basketball, specifically the I think what is just a completely different layout as far as a roster this year. Of course, there was so much hype around this team last year with the return of Luca Garza and CJ Frederick and Joe Eastcamp. But I was watching tape back of that team the other day, and I'm not trying to downgrade what they did, but this team to me is built totally different. You have a lot of shooters last year, and you're so reliant on the three-point shot. And I know we haven't really seen the competition that we're going to see in the coming months, Frank, but Talk a little bit about how you see this team stacking up to Big Ten competition now with more athleticism, maybe less outside shooters who are proven, but so much more athleticism, especially in the perimeter. 
Yeah, I think the makeup this year is totally different. I agree with you said it from last year. I think last year we had more of the the senior leadership, the senior guidance from Joe Wieskamp and Luca Garza. Even with with Jack Nunji there, it kind of added that presence of you know experience under the belt on that team. And that team previously, due to prior to COVID, they were destined to be a Sweet Sixteen elite, a potentially a national championship team prior to that season. So. That experience led into that upcoming season, which we saw the end result of that, you know, going into it. But this new upcoming team with Tony Perkins, Aaron Euless, Josh, uh, um, you know, and the rest of those guys, Patrick, Chris, Keegan, Kyle, um, and Ash, the, the, the new freshman coming in. I think the game plan has to change a little bit. I think this team is younger. Uh, I think you're, they're going to put up more shot attempts um, in the, because this is their first time actually getting more reps in, in game play. But I think defensively is where they're going to make their money, make their mark at, because this team can speed up offenses and definitely uh, allow for more defensive stops, as we saw in the previous game against, uh, I believe, North Carolina Central. What's Tony? Per- I, I mean, we've talked about this, but what is Tony Perkins' wingspan? Because the guy seems to have arms that are longer than <laughs> I've seen on any guy his size. Um, so I'm I'm six three myself. He's he's six four. I think uh, he has a pretty long wingspan. I mean, I, I think I think more contributes to you know his athleticism is his his IQ on the court, as well as Keegan and Kyle and Josh and and even Connor McCaffrey and Patrick McCaffrey. They're a very long athletic team. So I don't know his exact wingspan, but I think that athleticism kind of plays a part in that as well as a defensive stopper. Talk a little bit about Keegan Murray. I mean, obviously, we want to talk about Tony, but, man, this guy, I mean, what has Tony said? I mean, as far as just we, – we didn't hear a ton of hype in the offseason about a jump that Keegan had made, and I think everybody assumed he would make a jump. You got him showing up on draft boards way before the season even starts. And I know, again, we're talking about lesser competition but the dude has been dominant, 27 points, 21 boards on Tuesday. What has Tony seen behind the scenes, and what are you seeing from Keegan right now? Keegan's playing out of his mind right now. He is playing phenomenal ball, and that it all contributes from, you know, I think his background and knowledge of the game. Shout out to his family as well. And I believe his, his brother can, can do the same as well. And I think also we got to contribute to McCaffrey, what they've done with that senior leadership squad last year and how they took in Keegan under their wing and kind of showed an improvement, which gave him the full confidence moving forward. I think this season he's destined to have to kind of make his mark and kind of have to allow himself to fully develop in the player that he is going to be in, in, in the future NBA star as well. I think this season is allowing him to, you know, allow him to have his freedom in his game and feel comfortable when he's on and off the court. So Keegan is playing unbelievable right now. I think having these few smaller games right now, this is it's a confidence builder for these young guys going into Big Ten play. Does this team have enough shooting? I think that's my big question right now. I mean, obviously, defensively, I'm always going to have a question about Fran's teams, and I think that's fair. Um, not saying I'm, I'm worried about it, but it, it should be a concern until it's proven otherwise, in my belief at least. But does this team have enough outside shooting, in your opinion? And where does it come from? Uh, I, I think the most of the outside shooting came from the floor space they had last year. Uh, I don't I don't think this team has quite the shooting capability. And that's not a knock on the team as, a, as they are right now. I mean, you got to look. They have strengths in other areas as well. 
I think having Luca Garza as a dominant pro, uh, force inside the paint last year opening Joe Weiss camp and Connor McCaffrey and Bohannon for those open looks. I think this team has to do more of a traditional fast break, pad, you know, drive and kick type of offense. Now they will be able to have those high scoring games like they were last year with the high with the high field goal percentage. But most of those field goals have to come within the paint, the two point range, and you can find a way to win because I think again this team has a great defensive mindset that we can take teams uh, miss shots and lead to the fast breaks and also force turnovers and errors. So um, it's a win-win uh, situation. I think McCaffrey's just taking what he has and, and trying to optimize the most that he has in that team and that roster. How hard was the Oregon loss last year for Tony? I mean, he's a freshman, but I mean, that experience, experience is, is so rare for a freshman coming in to be able to experience the hype that this team had. What was that like? coming down after that disappointing loss? Uh, it was it was a learning lesson. It was a learning lesson, uh, definitely a, a learning experience, because I think Tony at the time had the guard, I believe his name was Chris, Chris Duarte, who ended up being, I believe, I think the 15th or 16th pick in the NBA draft, and he's and I'm an Indiana Pacers fan, and he is kind of like our second leading scorer right now on the, on the Indiana Pacers. So that just lets you know just the type of leadership Oregon had, just the type of athletic players they had. And it was just a learning experience for the young guys because, again, we knew that Garza had already made his mark in the NCAA history. We knew Wieskamp was already an NBA product moving forward. So this testament was more for the younger guys who are returning back into this upcoming season. Real Hayden comments. He says, I think this team has a chance to be better defensively in Big Ten play due to way better athleticism to make mm-hmm. up the drop. And I do agree with that. Mm-hmm. Uh, I still, you have to be able to shoot the three at this level, obviously. And we saw Tony knock a couple down, which was really nice to see on Tuesday. Mm-hmm. Um, what have you seen from his shot? Is he, I mean, I know he only, I think he was two of two in that game on Tuesday, but uh, what do you make of Tony's shooting thus far from what you've seen? Uh, I believe with basketball, I mean, I believe everything's in confidence. If, if, if coach is giving you the, the option to take those shots, if he's instilling you to, you know, continue to, you know, play your game, I think he's going to continue more in taking those shots. And again, I, again, I think our guys right now are playing to their strengths. Like I said before, playing inside the paint and getting those driving kicks. But I think as the season unfolds, we will see more three points coming from those guys because not only can they shoot the three, it's just a testament that their confidence is getting better throughout the season. Alabama State lost to Iowa State Tuesday. For anybody who doesn't know the background on that program, um, it wasn't a blowout. I think it was maybe a 12-point loss for Alabama State. Maybe I'm wrong on that. Um, What do you expect to see? I don't know how much you know about Alabama State, but this is a quick turnaround, uh, Frank, because it's not often that you're going to have a Tuesday-Thursday um, almost, almost back to back, and of course Iowa doesn't have an early season tournament, so that was a, a difficult game on Tuesday. North Carolina Central showed up to play. What do you expect from Iowa tonight? I expect the same. I expect a high intensity. Stick to your defense. Stick to your principles. You know, I think if we come out trying to repeat who we are, who we were last year as far as the three point play, we may begin with a rough start. But again, this is Big Ten basketball. This is uh, we're talking about. You know McCaffrey, and this is I don't know, you know ten plus years of coaching experience. He's going to come out with adjustments and make this team roll, just like we saw him roll last year, and get those 20, 30, 40 point wins as we saw before. It was so cool watching Tony after that game on Tuesday meet with the media, and I'm sure you watched his post game <laughs> press conference. Yeah. Uh, 
the guy could not stop smiling. You could tell how happy he was to have the game that he did. And, man, he, he, the guy made a huge difference. We talked mm-hmm. about his length. Um, his ability to defend in the full court and operate in that press um, and getting up in people's space and, and just being able to, I think, operate kind of coincide with the, the Murray twins and their, their length and their athleticism defensively. I think his, his ability to do that will get him ample minutes. Uh, we talked about three-point shooting maybe being a concern. Let's talk briefly about play inside. And I know, of course, uh, Tony and, and Aaron also came in last year with Joshua Gundelay. He has obviously been behind a bit. Does Iowa have enough big man play? That's been another question I've had. Do they have a, a five they can turn to when they're playing Kofi Coburn, Zach Eady, Trevion Williams, or are they going to have to play small ball and play a lot of zone when you play a guy who's seven foot? I think we're going to go back to what we saw last year. We're going to have to have that that Garzan and Nunji connection, but this time it might be Patrick McCaffrey and Josh in the paint a little bit more. We might even have the freshman guy, the, I can't think of his name, the, the taller young man. He may have to come to the game as well just to kind of guard those guys, you know, to kind of compact the paint. Uh, but I think also, too, that, you know, with the season um, at hand, I believe they have the tools and keys necessary to get pretty far in this year's season. So, again, you're right. They will have to adjust when we play those heavier post-player teams, and I think those guys will benefit with the front court, as, like I said, Aaron Euless and Joe Tustana and Tony Perkins and Kyle leading the way in those fast breaks. But defensively, if we can create turnovers, we can create fast break opportunities for points for us. Would you still say Aaron Euless is Tony's closest friend on this team? Uh, I, I believe so right now. I mean, they came in as, you know, uh, as roommates. Um, they're roommates right now. Uh, we, I kind of knew about Euless <clears throat> because he played for uh, Indy Mean Street, well, Chicago Mean Streets uh, up in Northwest Indiana, which I'm kind of familiar with the program. So uh, I've, I've heard about Euless. I knew about the brother Tyler Euless as well. So, um, yeah, they're pretty close. They're roommates, so they talk every day all the time. But that team, surprisingly, they're pretty, they're pretty close bunch if you get to know one of them. Max Bauer comments, Connor from three will be an X factor. Connor's going to have to be able to shoot the three consistently. He's going to be on the court. I, I saw somebody on Twitter comment the other day that um, complaining about Joe Toussaint still being out of control and uh, basically lobbying, lobbying for Connor to start at the one. My issue with that is Connor does give up a degree of athleticism and lateral quickness defending, especially trying to defend a point in the Big Ten. Um, and there's a lot of quick point guards you're playing you know, North Carolina Central and some of these mid-majors as well. But if Connor is going to – I think Connor has kind of gotten off to a slow start this year. He's turned the ball over a, a little bit at a higher rate. And I wonder if that's not because he is so used to having – he's having that role of post-feeder, you know, and he really right. doesn't have that this year. Of course, Keegan has been posting up more than maybe we expected. What do you see as Connor's role on this team? Because he seemed, you know, he's dealt with some injuries here early, got banged up in a game maybe a week ago. But mm-hmm. can he be a guy who can step up, step in and make needed threes? Yeah, Connor definitely hit some key threes, uh, especially last year in the times of need. I think to, to Connor's defense, he is dealing with an ankle injury and a hip injury, and you know he had a hip surgery over the summer. To so his defense, he will lose a little bit of the athleticism due to injury, and I believe he's still recovering from that. You know. 
but I think Connor, uh, you know, which I've said before the season to, to Tony and the younger guys, Connor is probably going to be the, the, the biggest role model and the biggest vet to this team. You know, he if you see him on the court, he, he's telling the guys where to be. He's telling the guys where to play, where to play at. He's, he's helping out. He's switching screens. He's communicating off the court and on the court as well. He's going to be the biggest leader for this team for him to move forward. So his impact on the court may not exactly translate to points and steals, but his influence in the game on and off the court was going to be major for these young guys to keep their heads up moving forward in the season. All right. I'm going to ask you a question, and you just give me information you can or you feel comfortable giving me here, or what maybe what you know. Maybe you don't know much. What did the C.J. Frederick situation last year do to this team? I, I know there was obvious – I mean, it, no one, we're not fooling ourselves. There was obvious animosity from certain people. But there was also support towards C.J. I know Joe Toussaint was somewhat outspoken, at least – still showing support to CJ and his decision to move on to Kentucky. But what did that do to this locker room? And did that play any factor in the struggles in the, in the NCAA tournament? Um, the fact that I don't know if it played any factor on the team collectively, because I really didn't hear much or say, but I did know his peoples uh, that going to a couple of games, I did meet the peoples, his family as well. Uh, I think with uh, him last year dealing with the injury, um, being a Kentucky kid as well and, and kind of being homesick. And I, I think he kind of made the right decision for himself. You know, I always say bet on yourself and do what makes you happy, you know. So I haven't heard anything that it, it affected the locker room in a positive or negative way. I think they're still big fans of C.J. Frederick. I'm still a fan of C.J. Frederick. I mean, I've, I've heard recently that he got hurt. And I was, yeah. you know, my heart kind of went out to him and his family because I'm like, man, he's – you don't want nobody to get hurt. Getting somebody getting hurt is is, 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 is a it's not a good feeling to know to have. Um, but I believe there's still a fan of CJ Frederick. I think the Iowa family still embraces CJ Frederick, and I think he's going to have a great career at Kentucky and in a, a pro career as well. Yeah, the guy just can't stay healthy. I mean, it's just unfortunate. Um, you know, go back to his true freshman year, breaking his ribs trying to defend Tyler Cook, and uh, has just not been able to stay on the court. But tremendous shooting ability and certainly Iowa could use that this year. Um, speaking of shooting ability, they return the old man, Jordan Bohannon. He's back <laughs> here. Um, struggled the other night, one of nine. Um, was that nerves just trying to break the record or uh, I don't really know how you dissect a one of nine night from one of the best shooters in Big Ten history. Uh, just nerves. Um, I think he's more so focused on the record than actually you know, on his, on his normal shot that he takes. I think he was trying to break the record. It was just nervous. You know, you got your whole family there. You're on the you're on the brink of over accomplishing a goal that's been uh, a, a statement that's been in the Big Ten record book for years. So, I mean, I'll be nervous, too. I was nervous for him, you know. So, it was just nerves. Bohannon will shake it off. He'll come out, come back out as a normal Bohannon that we always see. He did knock down those threes and key uh, threes that we need in the game. Hawkeye Howard comments. He says, I saw North Carolina Central – Got a lot of points in the first half. That worries me about the defense. Um, yeah, there were still moments where, and that's why Fran, I think, turned to Tony a lot in that second half because Tony has proven to be sort of that leader defensively on this team. And, uh, you know, the, that lineup with Tony and Aaron, um, certainly Keegan. Uh, Keegan's going to be playing, in my opinion, 
he should be playing close to 40 minutes a game. Am I wrong? I mean, I, I, I don't know how you can't play him just because not, we're playing Luca Garza 38, 39 minutes. And I'm not trying to say I'm putting Keegan above Luca, but Keegan's ability on both ends will be so, so important. And one guy that we haven't mentioned here since you've jumped on, Frank, is Chris Murray. I don't know if he's playing tonight or not. I don't know if you've heard anything, but assuming he is okay to play tonight, or even if he doesn't play tonight, I guess next week, his ability to get confidence and develop more of a chemistry with this team, because he's got a lot of the athletic traits that Keegan has. Um, what have you heard from from Tony on Chris's development? Because I think he's maybe one of the bigger dark horses on this roster. Yeah, I believe Chris has a lot to prove. I think Chris is ready. I, I think if you let you know Chris have the range as much as his brother does, I think we'll see actually real twins on the court, giving us similar stats on that stat line. Um, but you're right. I think that 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 formula with Aaron Euless, uh Tony Perkins, Patrick McCaffrey, uh, Josh, uh, you know Kyle, Chris, it, it, you know it, it shows their initial principles on that team, even with Connor. It shows their initial principles on that team, even with Joe Toussaint locking up at you know full court, that this team's foundation has to be defense moving forward. They're gonna have to play defense, they're gonna have to play more man. I know they come in out of zone, out of out of bounds plays, but just playing defense is gonna have to, you know, change its pace. And I think um to answer Hawkeye Howard's question, I think you know, sometimes is that when you're the big dog and you under underestimate the the underdog. You kind of can get roughed up a little bit, and that's what happened yesterday. You know, we had a, we had a group of guys that been to the Sweet Sixteen, we had a group of guys who've been to the NCAA tournament multiple times. So these teams are going to go against Iowa and see the opportunity to make their staple on this on this on their season moving forward. And Iowa and these guys have to realize you guys are the team to beat. You guys are the team to beat tonight. So being the the the, the big dog in the in the fight. You know, if you let the underdog hit you a couple of times, you might stumble and, and may shake up your game plan a little bit. But I think tonight, yesterday, or I'm sorry, not yesterday, but Tuesday, they learned that lesson. Like, you know what? Even though it is North Carolina Central, even though this is Alabama State, we have to treat this like this is a dude. We have to treat them like that if, if they're a, a top 25 team because we got to mentally prepare ourselves for the Big Ten play. We have to. What do you make of the schedule? Um, such a different start to the season if you compare it to last year and again it's a totally different roster makeup but having you could say i don't want to say cupcakes that's the wrong attitude to have but i guess as people who are talking talking heads as opposed to the players these are mid-majors that iowa should win comfortably and by double digits each night does that in your opinion as a coach and i know you're not a coach at this level but does that instill confidence or does it I mean, what does that do for a team heading into, I mean, the next major game this team plays is at Virginia. So you're going to be thrown in the fire quickly. What does that, what does this schedule do for a, for a team's mindset? Uh, I think this is a confidence builder because again, I think, like you said, if you listen to Fran's press conference, he said, being in the season, my team and my bench is so deep. I don't know who to go with. I don't know who to start night to night. So this is kind of his experimental phase. Okay, before I kind of go into the season, here's my nine to ten go-to guys moving forward. And this is a confidence bear for the younger guys who did play limited minutes. And this is also a confidence even for Keegan Murray, who's now playing, you know, 39 minutes a night. This was a lesson for him. Like, okay, you learn from Joe and Garza. Now do what you do. You've seen these two go at it on the big stage. Now do what you do. So this is a confidence builder. 
And you're right, they are going against a Purdue and going against a Virginia here coming soon. But Virginia is rebuilding themselves as well. They had a couple of transfers come in. They they pretty much have a new team. They have a returning starters who were one was a freshman last year, one was a sophomore last year. So they are a, a kind of inexperienced team looking to make their mark in this year's season as well. So capping off of Virginia would be a good way to start and kick off Big Ten play because I think Virginia probably the best team that will face and Purdue the first two games of Big Ten, I'm sorry, ACC, then Big Ten, then moving forward. So I think this whole entire season so far is a is a wave of a confidence booster going into the season. That Virginia game is a winnable game. Yes, yeah, it is. Their top 25 team, they lose to Navy on opening night. Um, that's a game Iowa go down there and, and steal. And if you go down there and win that game, and again, this is not a, a team that is um, – in, in Virginia, that's going to be a slouch in the ACC. But like you said, there are some new parts there. Um, and it won't be, I mean, beating Virginia on the road won't be, you know, a, a marquee win necessarily. But, man, that's a pretty good win. I don't care what Virginia team it is to win on the road down there. The last time they Iowa played Virginia would have been the NIT, and I don't know what year that would have been. But they won on the road at Virginia. So this team, Fran, has taken a team down there and won before. Um, there is a question for you here uh, from the real Hayden. He says, question for Frank, who is the backup five to Rebracha right now? Um, are you still with us, Frank? I think we just lost Frank. Let's see if we can get him back here. We'll answer the real Hayden's question. Max says Virginia is not playing well. Yeah, I don't know. I really haven't looked at Virginia since that opening night um, when they lost to Navy. And I know we talked about that with um, Coach Close. Let me pull up Virginia's schedule here while we're waiting for Frank to uh, figure out his network issues. So, yeah, Virginia did lose again, but they played a top 15 Houston team. 67-47. So they lose by 20 on the route against or on the road against Houston on Tuesday. Um, and then they beat Radford in game two. So right now they're one and two. So that's a winnable game. Again, this is not going to be a top 25 team by the time Iowa plays them. Now we'd all rather Virginia be a top 25 team. But if you're Iowa and you're looking at your schedule right now, I mean, let's look at let's look at Iowa's schedule. So you've got Alabama State tonight, Western Michigan next week, Portland State, Virginia. All right. So there's one, two, three. What are you three and zero now? You win these next three, you're going to be six and zero. And say you can go on the road and knock off Virginia, you could potentially be seven and zero heading into Big Ten play when you go on the road to number six Purdue. So that is. <laughs> That that would be a very interesting storyline because man, their their Big Ten play early is stacked. They go to Purdue, who's currently ranked number six in the country, and then you're playing host to number ten Illinois. All right, and then they go back out of out of conference to play at Iowa State. Um, they play up at the Pentagon in um, Sioux Falls. They play Utah State. They get a couple more mid majors, and then they get back on. The Big Ten um, road with number twenty Maryland. 
So yeah, it, it's it's a tough schedule once you get to Big Ten play, but this non-conference is extremely workable. And let's be honest, the Virginia game is an opportunity for Iowa, even though Virginia is not maybe what we thought they were yet. That very well could be a resume-building game. Believe you me, if Virginia starts to play well by the time they get to ACC play and you get to March and Virginia, even if Virginia is just a middle to um, you know, maybe upper middle ACC team, if you can win that game on the road, um, man, that's, that is a resume building win. Um, and again, you win that game, you can potentially be seven and zero, even though you haven't played the toughest schedule, a load of confidence heading into a tough start to big 10 play. I think we've got Frank Henderson back here. Um, Frank question from here for, for, from the real Hayden here for you, who is the backup five to Rebracha right now? We did talk about this a little bit, with Joshua Gundelay and Mulvey, but who is, in your mind, a viable option at the five spot? Uh, I think right now the viable option is Josh. You know, Josh is a guy who is 6'10". You know, he came in, I believe, a little bit overweight, but he slimmed down to, I believe, you know, 230, 235. He is the backup five. I think the more experience he has, we'll see a, a great player. I think Josh played well last year against Kofi. The few minutes that he had when Garza, I believe, was in foul trouble in the Illinois game. Josh gave us an excellent five, six, seven minutes of that game. And I think for him right now and the way that he's playing, you can tell that he's in a cheerful and confident mindset. I think giving him more minutes is going to complement that mindset that he's going to be that tough factor in the game. What's with the pigtails? <laughs> uh, you know, I, you know, I've, I've I've spoken to Josh maybe uh, once or twice, man, and he's he's a he's a kid that you just got to embrace and love, man. He's a he's a funny guy, and the fact that he came from the UK to yeah. Iowa, you know, that's 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 night and day, you know, to Iowa. I think he's just showing his true colors, who he is, and just that's his self expression that we need on this team because as you look, we do have guys on this team that playing time, you know, influences their confidence. Even though Josh doesn't play too much, he continues to make the team laugh and smile and kidding and bring that energy every night on and off the court. So we need that. And and Josh is doing an excellent job, you know, right now being a Hawkeye. Absolutely. And to each his own on the pigtails. Um <laughs> expression that's totally cool and it, it is good to see him trim down a little bit um and i would expect as as we continue here especially given the fact that they're going to play teams that are bigger now doug does bring up a good point here he says five minutes in a 40 minute game isn't much help um that's what they needed from him would have been in march right that was big 10 tournament right um because nunji had went down but i have to expect at some point, again, we talked about Illinois. We talked about Purdue. Ohio State's got uh, EJ Liddell, who's not quite, you know, he's not a seven-footer, but certainly a talented big man. They're going to need Josh. Like, mm-hmm. I really don't believe. I, I know I posed that question to you earlier about just playing small ball all season. I don't think you can do that completely. There are going to be games where you're going to need Josh's physicality and maybe Riley Mulvey as well. Um my understanding of the, and maybe you can fill me in on this, Frank, but the the rule on redshirting 
Um, Riley Mulvey has played in the regular season. So what is the the current rule on redshirting in basketball? Of course, in football, we have the four-game rule. As long as you play four games or less, you can redshirt and save that, that year of eligibility. What is the current rule? Do you know? I don't know uh, what it pertains to basketball, but I know the NCAA has changed that rule quite a bit. And you are right about the football redshirting rule about the four games being allowed to play. But basketball, I'm not I'm not too sure how that works. See, Doug says ten games, but here, here's the thing about the ten games. My understanding was that ten games may and I could be totally wrong on this, but of course Jordan redshirted and saved that year due to injury. So if you don't have an injury, because I was thinking maybe I'm just high on my medication right now, but I was thinking that Jordan still had to apply for a medical waiver. Did he not after playing those 10 games? Uh, I believe so. Uh, I believe something was the case of that sort. I don't want to speak too much on it because I don't know exactly the details of it, but I believe that was, that was sounds about right about what he had to do. Okay. So, yeah. And if that's the case, if, if, if you can play 10 games, that may be an opportunity and that may be what Fran has, is thinking because we've heard him say that, that, Hey, there are going to be games where we need Riley and there are going to be games where we need Josh. But you as a coach, Frank, again, I know you haven't coached the Big Ten level, mm-hmm. but is it feasible to say, okay, we've got two big men, but we're we're going to deploy them December 28th and then we're going to deploy one of them on January 8th. Are these guys going to be game ready if they're not playing against you know, the likes of Wisconsin and then Minnesota? And now we're going to throw them into a game against Kofi Coburn against Illinois. Is that real feasible to do? Uh, no, and I don't think that's very feasible because me being a former player myself and being a coach as well, I believe you have to give guys, just like any sport, mainly in basketball, which I know of, you have to get guys in rhythm. It's a rhythm sport. That's why you see in the NBA, you always see the best basketball come February, March, April, because you didn't have 60 plus games of finding your shot, getting your groove, getting in rhythm. And that's the same with anybody. I mean, you can train all season, but game time is always a different atmosphere. It's a different speed. It's a different animal. If you give guys reps in the game, it's totally different from practice. You know, making a guy feel comfortable, knowing what minutes he's going to contribute, knowing that I'm going to get in the game for at least five, maybe ten minutes, that kind of lets me know, get myself in the game mindset and game attitude that it gets me in reputation. So when I do against Kofi Kerber, when I do against, you know, Trevor Williams, when I do against those, go against those tall guys in the Big Ten, I'm more game and ready because I have my reps under my belt. Yeah, so it'll be interesting to see how Fran plays this because you don't want to waste the 10 games. Again, we're assuming that that 10-game rule is a fact. You don't want to waste the 10 games on Alabama State, right? I mean, you don't want that to be one of your 10 games necessarily if you're planning on redshirting um, Riley or Josh. Um, Of course, Josh gets the free year due to COVID last year anyways, so... You know, I guess if you're you're talking about a redshirt for Josh, you're talking about potentially six years, anyways. Um, I really thought when Riley Mulvey reclassified for this year that he would see five to ten minutes a game simply because of the fact that Jack Nunji and Luca Garza were gone. Right. Um, and maybe he's a little bit further behind than I expected. As far as Keegan is concerned, are you comfortable throwing him at the five? Because that's something before you jumped on that I commented on that I don't really like throwing guys out of their natural position. And to me, Keegan is the perfect four on this team. And you play Patrick at the three alongside him. 
I don't like the idea of taking him out of his natural position, but I also hear the term positionless basketball all the time. So what are your thoughts on, on Keegan as far as position? Uh, Keegan right now is, I believe he can defend one through the five just because of his athleticism and his ability. But I don't want to take away from Keegan's all-around game. Keegan can shoot the three. He can drive and kick. He can drive to the basket. He can dunk. He can lay up. To me, he's a hybrid 3-4, you know, maybe even potential two just because of the way he plays. Now, if you want him to defend the five, you know, you do have to realize stature comes into play. He is 6'8", you know, a 210 athletic kid. Now, if he's going to get guys 7 foot who are 240, 250, we need to play a bigger kid on that kid to defend him. Now, Keegan does have the ability to, to, to rim protect and grab rebounds. Um, but, again, I just think we should utilize his game in all areas. And you're right. It's, it, is a, it is a positionless basketball for him. He is one of the most athletic and elongated kids on the team that can kind of do the two through five uh, position on offense, but guard one through five on defense. And there are a lot of slashers on this team. I know Fran was asked about Tony and his performance the other day, and his response was, well, Tony is more of a, a slasher. Um, mm-hmm. How do you define a slasher? Like, I mean, would you cons- who, who are the shooters on this team? Who are the slashers on this team as far as the starting lineup? Because to me, the only guy who is a natural shooter in my mind is Jordan Bohannon. And then you maybe bring Peyton Sanford off the bench who's a shooter. So some guys are going to have to kind of be both this year, wouldn't you say? Yeah, yeah. I, I believe Jordan Bohannon probably is probably the best pure shooter that we have on this team. Um, when we talk about Aaron Hughes and Joe Toussaint, I like I like those two because they set the pace, they set the tempo for the game. They can they can move the offense up the court. They can they they're the front line of defense as well. And when we say slashers, I mean a lot of times he's an off the ball type of guy. Tony's not a ball dominant type of guy. He's a guy that comes in the game. He's going to fill out for his team, get guys open, get guys contributing, and then he's going to make his mark. That's the type of player that he is, you know. And as an uncle, you know, I'm I'm rooting for him. Like, hey, man, you should have took that shot. But, again, that's not his natural game. His natural game is getting to his rhythm and groove, and that's when you see him hit those two threes, and then he starts getting into becoming a slasher, a rebounder, running the one, pushing the break. So the term slasher is, is to me, is, is kind of an off-the-ball type of guy. You're not a ball-dominant guy. Like a Patrick McCaffrey's not a ball-dominant guy. Connor's not a ball-dominant guy. Tony's not a ball-dominant type of guy. So those type of guys, you may call them slashes, but they're just off-the-ball type players right now. Do you want to address Hawkeye Howard's question? How's the shoulder? Hope you're doing well. Shoulder's doing well. Um, two days off after surgery here and hardly any pain. Um, it is amazing what modern medicine and, and surgeries can do. So I appreciate the well wishes there from Hawkeye Howard. Max asks, do we see Iowa play more zone to, to slow Kofi or Dickinson? Well, certainly, and Dickinson is the one guy that I probably should not have skipped over because he might be the best big man in the Big Ten. And that's saying a lot when you have guys like Coburn and, and um, Trevion uh, and, and certainly Zach Eady. But certainly Iowa's going to play more zone, don't you think? I mean, at some point, you have to make up for the lack of size because you're not going to see Josh play. There's just no way you're seeing Josh log a 30-minute game, at least not in my opinion, unless there's something crazy that happens and I'm missing something. We're not going to see 30 to 40 minutes even combined from guys mm-hmm. like Mulvey and Coburn. So isn't the natural fallback executing um, an effective zone? Uh, I, I think we saw zone, to me, in my opinion, we saw zone a lot last year. Um, me as a coach, I'm not necessarily a zone guy, so I don't really, you know, agree with zone most of the game. I'm a, I'm a man-to-man type of guy. 
Um, because I think sometimes zone, you know, gives teams a lot of abilities for backdoor cuts and open threes, which can lead to confidence on middle switch, switches in the game, which we saw a lot of times last year. Um, but again, like I said, McCaffrey and the coaches that they're with those guys every day, so they know what those guys are capable of doing. They know how their zone works. They know how their zone looks. I mean, we can have a difference of opinions, but I'm not the one coaching that team. So I believe it, zone in my eyes. I think we should go man. But again, I think you know you don't get ten plus years of coaching the Big Ten without knowing what you're doing. But I think McCaffrey knows exactly what he's doing um, when he when he makes some play calls. How much does does Iowa spend on a daily basis uh, working on defense? Uh from the from when I talked to Tony, uh, I mean that's 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 their principle. I know Iowa hoops had a. They did like a show game pre-case of like, you know, jokes and, you know, mock, you know, you know, McCaffrey and how's the coach and all their mocks about how he gets on them about defense. So I'm assuming that in practice, they're discussing about defense majority of the time because they know offense will come. But it, and that's one thing you, him and I agree on that coaching staff is that, you know, you can't win unless you have a stop in the game. You know, defense wins championships, offense just wins games. So you got to have defense as your, as your principal foundation first. So I believe they're spending a lot of time on that. And this is a comment that I made to Coach Gary Close when we had our post game the other day. Um, this is just me, and I could be totally off on this as far as recruiting prowess and just targets and whatnot. I would rather Fran target guys like Tony, um, guys like Aaron Eulis, um, certainly the, the Murray brothers, but I, I, yeah. I guess specifically guys who are defensive-minded. Anthony Clemens is a guy that comes to mind mm -hmm. um, who was very successful here at Iowa. I would rather them target guys like that than, and I won't throw any players' names out here, but but guys who are just natural shooters, who aren't very good defenders. Because to me, if there's one thing that I'm confident that Fran can do, it's to breed a guy and to be able to actually um, better a guy offensively. I don't think you're going to see guys turn into these elite defenders if they weren't elite defenders in high school. Not, yeah, at least not in Iowa. That's just not what Iowa does. He's not. This isn't Tony Bennett and his system at Virginia. So that's why I'm excited by this roster. Because to me, this roster has a bunch of defensive-minded guys. I even know Riley Mulvey. You know, his, his offense is a bit behind. He was a defensive-minded guy in high school. Mm -hmm. And so, you know, he was kind of the opposite of Luca Garza. Not that we didn't enjoy Luca Garza's time here, um, but when you have Riley and Tony Perkins and Aaron Eulis, both Murray twins, Patrick McCaffrey, I don't know that he's defensive-minded. Of course, his dad is, is the head coach, but what Patrick has is that natural athleticism that you just can't teach. Um, right. So that's why this roster excites me. Not to say more than last year, because that would be foolish for me to say, given the weapons they had. But would you agree with that assessment, Frank? Yeah, I, I agree with you because, I mean, if I'm recruiting as of my team, again, I'm speaking as if I'm the coach of, of any program, I'm going for more two-way players, you know. Um, even when I coached AAU basketball and Tony was playing for me at the time, um, I used to tell guys that, you know, if we play against a team that's a shooting team, they're going to have to hit threes all night. But by the end of the night, they're going to be tired. They're not hitting threes the last 10 minutes of the game because they're tired. You know, we're going to play man, we're going to D up and make them move their feet. When we see teams come out red hot a lot of times, if we kind of sit back in that zone, that lets the shooter be comfortable to find his spot and get his rhythm. When you guys play a man, cut off, you know, open lanes and passing lanes, you make them work and make them think. Anytime you make a defensive or offensive, I'm sorry, 
Anytime you make an offensive guy have a thing to his first option, second option, third option, fourth option, that's draining. So when you have a defensive-minded team and you have a two-way player who can score and defend, that makes it tough. Even if Iowa loses to a tough team, the offensive team's like, man, we barely came out with a, with a win on that one because that wasn't a tough game, you know. And I think uh, I think he I think McCaffrey sees that everybody sees that. I mean, just the comments you made, we see it. We saw it against uh, North Carolina Central. You know, again, we may not see the high scoring games of the score being ninety eight to to fifty five, but we will see wins with tough teams of, of deficits of where we won maybe ten or twelve points because we played defense and we were able to get more points than other teams. So we will see results on that nation. Doug, want to address your comment here for a second. He says, Fran has a hard time finding a quality big man. Well, obviously, Luca. I know he says outside of Luca. Adam Woodbury was really underrated. I know fans don't want to hear that. Um, Frank, you you were not probably real in touch with the, the Iowa fan base prior to Tony getting recruited here. But Adam Woodbury, I don't know how familiar you or if you even remember him at Iowa. Um, but he was sort of a polarizing figure because he was a, a top hundred guy. North Carolina wanted him. Um, and I think fans expected him to come in here, you know, and be a, a cream of Bill Jabbar. And that's just not who he was, but here's what Adam Woodbury was. And he, he was an elite defender. And if you look back at those years early in France tenure, and we're talking the Mike Gasell, Adam Woodbury, um, Anthony Clemens years, Jared Utah, mm-hmm. another guy, those were actually good defensive teams. They weren't elite, but they were good. And honestly, I would I would rather watch Iowa basketball the way it was with those guys, Adam Woodbury, Gasell, Clemens, than a team that is completely live or die on the three-point shot, mm-hmm. which, let's be honest, these last couple of seasons have been that. And so and that's a positive. That's not a, a, a knock on Luca or on Fran, but – Again, we, we're talking about Riley Mulvey being that natural defender, and of course he's still developing. And then you have all these wing guys um, who can who can defend and are sort of um, natural defenders, at least in my opinion. That that's what makes me excited about this roster and the coming years ahead, because I do think Fran has started to recruit guys who are a little bit more defensive minded, and hopefully that's a recognition that hey, I'm just not a you know, I'm just not a defensive coach, right? I mean, that's just not what Fran excels at. He's he's an excellent offensive mind. Mm-hmm. So you've got to make up for that either with uh, the hiring of an assistant coach, uh, in my opinion, or just great recruiting of players who are defensive-minded. Is that accurate? Yeah, and I agree with you. I agree with you on that. I always say the saying this, you know, you live by the three, you die by the three, you know. And I think the years to come, I think he, I think the staff he surrounds himself with does give him that input, you know. And I'm not going to say everything's on frame, you know what I mean? It is a collective, because like I said, I've been a coach before and I had two assistants. It is a collective effort. Now, I might be the one standing up screaming and shouting on my two feet, but it is a collective effort at the end of the day, you know. And your team formulation always changes with the type of person that you have on a team. And then on top of that, when we say recruiting players to come play at Iowa, you know, recruiting is a very tough process because it's me trying to convince you to come to my school. You know, you know, we always say, well, we could have got this kid, we could have got that kid, but that kid may not want to go there for whatever reason. It might be the reason that this Iowa's too far or they want to go closer to home or they always dream of going to their dream school, you know, so it's very hard to recruit anybody, you know, um, 
you know, unless you're doing something illegal like bribing kids with money or something crazy like that. But it, I mean, his recruiting is definitely difficult. I think he's doing the best with he, what he has and willing to work with. And I've seen some of the kids that he has signed. Um, I guess the kids that are committed, two kids, two guards have committed coming here. And judging from their highlight, they're not just shooters. You know, they're kind of a two-way type of player. So I think that change that we're looking for is coming. Um, Fran notices it. We notice it. And, again, it's just a new formulation for a new team, a new process, and new ways of winning. I was going to ask you about DeSante Bowen. So, of course, he's committed to Iowa for – he just actually just signed. Mm-hmm. Um does Tony know DeSante? Has he gotten to know him at all yet uh, as, as far as uh, their relationship? Has that been able to develop yet? Um, not quite. I don't think it's to the point where they're like best buddies or best friends. But I do remember when, you know, DeSante came on campus. I remember Tony said him and Aaron and a couple of the guys were kicking it with him. So I think they I think DeSante may have seen what's to come with Iowa. I think he's seen the type of guys that are starting to get their bearings and understanding that, hey, by the time I get to Iowa, I will be playing with these young guys because they got that extra year of COVID. And understanding and seeing how they're playing seems like it'll fit my type of playing style as well. And and when you have good guys that fit your type of playing style, again, that helps recruiting as well. You know, if I was a kid and I'm surrounded by guys who are pure shooters and I'm a two-way type of player, I might feel more influenced because I might be the X factor that can make this team better or I might be the outsider to where it's like, you know what, I'm not the best shooter, so am I going to get to play? So, but having guys that can do both and allowing guys to have, you know, our team to have one or two shooters on the team as well, it gives guys and recruits the option of just being more so them when they come to Iowa. Had some people comment here these last few days that they're a little bit disheartened by the Big Ten early on um, in this season just because of the struggles and the Gavit games. I know Wisconsin dropped one to Providence and you've got Michigan State already losing. Um, of course, they beat Butler last night, but they dropped one against Kansas on opening night. Um, are you concerned about the Big Ten as far as, I mean, the tournament was not a good showing last year. We, we had a lot of hype around the conference throughout the year. The tournament. Uh, how do you rate the Big Ten conference right now? Not to be biased, but hey, I'm just all about Iowa. You know, if they, if they lose every game and Iowa wins every game. I'm great, you know. So, I mean, yeah, the strength of the Big Ten does play a factor, and the strength of the Big Ten is only a collaborative effort when it comes to recruiting and recruiting top talent to make this as a Power 5 conference, as most say. Um, but if, if, if I was winning most of their games and they go undefeated, but Michigan State, Purdue, IU, and all of them continue on this losing trend, I'm like, who cares? I was winning. So, um, but it, it, it is a collaborative effort that we have to win collectively to make this to keep us a power five conference and make it a competitive one that everybody's enjoying to watch. Yeah, Michigan dropped one to Seton Hall, Illinois dropped one to Marquette, I believe. So and it's, it's, it's early. Sorry to cut you off, but it's early in the season. I mean, we're three games in, you know, so we won't see good, you know, basketball until, you know, January. Now, January, February, we kind of know where, where teams lie and how they're going to go into the tournament. And I didn't catch Indiana St. John's last night. I know that was – I don't know if you heard about that game, but uh, I know, again, Michigan State did beat Butler. Mm-hmm. And I'm looking here. It appears as if Indiana did squeak by St. John's, 76-74. So I know that 
I, I think the the ACC Big Ten cha- uh, challenge and the record there is maybe a little bit overrated. Certainly, you could say the same thing about the Big East Big Ten challenge and the Gavi games. But the Big Ten did go two and zero yesterday, and I think they'll be fine. I'm disappointed Iowa hasn't been able to play in that challenge these last couple of years. Um, hopefully, they'll be able because the Big East is still a very respectable respectable conference. I do want to ask you before we get off here because we do have to get off for the uh, the game here in a few minutes, but. Are you an Iowa football fan? You've been following the Hawks. Yeah, I've been following the Hawks, and I'm an Iowa fan, and in, in, in by default, across all sports. You know, since we uh, visited the campus and, and Tony committed, and we talked to Fran McCaffrey and Coach Dillard, uh, even Billy Taylor, who was uh, at the time my coach at Ball State. You know, um, I just kind of fell in love with that whole you know process of Iowa how they do things. Um, but by default, uh, you know, I'm kind of a a, a Michigan football guy, you know, and, and Tony knows that, you know. So when he did commit to another Big Ten school, Iowa, I said, well, I guess I'm an Iowa fan too then. So I do follow Iowa football and maybe Michigan football as well. So is Michigan going to beat Ohio State finally this year? <laughs> you know, being in Indiana, we have a lot of Ohio State fans. In Annapolis, we have a lot of Ohio State fans. And I would love yeah. to just beat Ohio State, to be honest with you. <laughs> been for that for a while now under Jim Harbaugh. So yeah, it's been a while, and I'm tired of the the, the Buckeyes in my face with it. So it's time to put that uh the yellow maze in their face at one point. I know we've spent the majority of this hour talking Iowa basketball, but I I want to spend a couple minutes here before tip off to address Iowa football. And Frank, you can you're welcome to chime in here if you'd like, mm-hmm. given the fact that you're here talking Iowa sports with us. Um, Hawkeye Howard brings up Iowa, Illinois. As a reminder to everybody, we will have Iowa live with Voice of College Football Mark Rogers over at the Iowa at the Voice of College Football channel at 9 p.m. Central tonight. So we'll break down Iowa, Illinois. But his prediction here is Iowa 27, Illinois 20. Brett Bielema out for this game, um, tested positive for COVID. Iowa's not out of the race for the West. There's There was so much hype around this team about a month ago. And then, of course, the, the two-game stretch with Purdue and Wisconsin – and the lackadaisical offense that uh, has bettered a little bit, it seems like, with the quarterback change. But mm-hmm. what are your thoughts on the quarterback change, Frank? I mean, I'm assuming you've followed it enough to know that Alex Padilla has been the guy these last couple of weeks, and I, I think it's very clear that he is the guy this Saturday. The coaching staff is kind of playing hush-hush on this whole subject, which is smart. There's no reason mm-hmm. to show your cards early in the week. But what are your thoughts on, on Alex and, and the quarterback change heading into Illinois? Uh, I think the, the, the quarterback change is probably hats off to the coach. Uh, I think the, I think this kid is ready. He's prepared. Uh, it's just time to bring in some talent that's ready. And I think the trajectory that they were hitting on initially, um, they were a top, you know, I believe the top 10 at one point. I think Iowa's top, they were number three ranked, if I'm not mistaken, at one two. point. Two. two, yeah. They were ranked number two in the nation. So, this team has a lot of talent. I think the coach, only reason the coach made this change because he doesn't want to take away the confidence of the other senior players that are playing well right now. So having that change can kind of lead them into the right direction to kind of end this season off with a cap-off win. So I think Iowa's going to be great to finish off the season. Max says, don't be surprised if Nebraska goes to Madison and wins. And let's remember that if Nebraska were to do that, Iowa is back in the driver's seat for the Big Ten West. Okay, yeah. so that's how close Iowa is to still being able to win this division. If Wisconsin drops one to Nebraska or to Minnesota, 
all Iowa has to do is win out. And these are two winnable games against Illinois yeah. and Nebraska. If, if you put a gun to my head, I'd say Wisconsin's not going to lose another game because right now I think they're playing better than anybody else in the Big Ten West. But Nebraska has proven that they can play anybody close. They just don't know how to win yet, but maybe this will be the week. I have a hard time imagining them going up to Madison and winning. But this is a, an accurate point that it, if it were to happen, um, yeah, Iowa's basically out of the, of the playoff race. I have a hard time seeing <laughs> even a team that would go 11-2, and two, including a win over Ohio State in, the, in Indy. I don't think you're going to make the playoff unless there was all kinds of chaos. But, boy, just getting back to the title game would be a huge step. First time since 2015, just the second time since the Big Ten went to divisions. Um, appreciate the real Hayden being on here and appreciate uh, Frank being on here as well. Yes, thank you. Enjoyed talking about Iowa basketball and previewing this game. Anytime. Anytime. And Hawkeye Howard. Uh, I know Hawkeye Howard is one of our frequents here on the channel as well as over at the Iowa channel and he's a truck driver so stay safe this evening Howard and uh, we'll, we'll talk to him either later on tonight or uh, after the Iowa game with Coach John Patterson on Saturday following Iowa-Illinois. All right. want to remind everybody, again, Iowa postgame with from the Hawkeye of the Storm and Coach Gary Close, former Iowa assistant coach Gary Close, 8 p.m. tonight, Central Time, following Iowa versus Alabama State, right here from the Hawkeye of the Storm on YouTube. Iowa postgame with Coach Gary Close at 8 p.m. And following that at 9 p.m., it will be myself and the voice of college football, Mark Rogers, Iowa Live, talking Iowa, Illinois uh, this coming weekend. Again, that will begin at 9 p.m. tonight um, over at the Iowa the Voice of College Football channel. So, Frank, it uh, looks like we've got some basketball to watch here in a few minutes. So it's been a pleasure yes, as sir. always to show your insight on a couple different phases, not only as Tony Perkins' uncle, but as a, a, a coach and somebody who understands the game. We wish you all the best as you continue your recovery we're a couple of uh, injured guys right now, so uh, <laughs> we are. Can, good that we can at least talk about sports. Yes, yes. Thank you, Corey, for having me on the show as well. Blessings to you and hopefully, you know, have a speedy recovery. And I uh, thank you again for allowing me the opportunity to express some opinions on this game of basketball and sports as well. So, again, if you, uh, anytime, like I said, thanks for having me. Love to be here. Looking forward to it. Go Hawks. Appreciate the time for Frank Henderson. I'm Corey Brada from the Hawkeye of the Storm. We will talk to you after Iowa and Alabama State right here from the Hawkeye of the Storm. Take care.